This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Christopher Schindler. Has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. Welcome to the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. There's plenty to digest and talk about today. Two games in one week. Town firstly dispatching QPR with a goal from Elias Kachunga and then a penalty from Steve Mounier. Mounier comes up right footed and scores beautifully with a lifted chip wide to the keeper's left. It's 2-0 Huddersfield Town. The Town back up a good win on a Saturday with another in midweek for the first time since Valentine's Day 2017. Unfortunately not as Cardiff City left the Terriers feeling rather bereft. And rather bereft are we for numbers for the podcast today with Valentine's Day looming only Simon Copland has dare venture out to join myself Matt in tonight's recording. But before we get into it, Let's remember the good times. Jetson's there, Billy in. The goal for Billy Huddersfield Town. Back at the Rob Edwards. What a goal for Rob Edwards. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town. Huddersfield got the chance with Clark to knock it through. This could be a chance to equalise. And they have equalised. And you know who scored it, don't you? It's Jordan Rhodes. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the flame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Pate's got a chance. Pate scores. Jack Pate scores. Probably to give it straight to Moy again. He shoots. What a goal, Aaron Moy. An absolute thunderbolt delivered all the way from Australia. Where's he going to drop? It's in there! Smith scores for Huddersfield Town! 3-2 Town! 4-3 Town at Sands. Forrest Jerry! Danny Ward saves! Danny Ward saves! Town play down the left and Moy stayed onside. Here's Mounier! 2-0 Huddersfield Town on the opening day of the Premier League! The Quattro's in, Brandeheia, 2-0 Huddersfield Town! Get to turn it into the pattern yeah. 
of the most important goals of Huddersfield Town's history. De Plaxer's forward, De Plaxer's got the better yeah! and Lauren De Plaxer scores! Lauren De Plaxer scores! This podcast is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing, uh, Magic Rock Taps, uh, based in Birkby and Homeforth, two tap rooms full of uh, good beers that me and Simon like to uh, frequent when we can. Uh, perfect for match day, pre-match pint. Also, if you're down that way, please bear in mind the blue bins at the entrance where they'll take any uh, food and clothing donations for the Welcome Centre, which is one of the largest uh, food banks in the north of England. So uh, do some very good work there as well. So welcome, Simon, to the podcast. It's just me and you, a nice romantic get-together the day before Valentine's Day. The women will be discussing, talking, going, what's going on there? How are you doing? Very well, mate, yourself? Yeah, very good, very good. No candles in here for anybody that might be listening. It's just a normal spotlight, <laughs> nothing special. So QPR game, let's let's get into the QPR game first. Uh, town win. I, I actually thought we started a bit slowly against QPR. I thought they were the better side first half. Not massively. I thought they a lot of offer, Kirk, no knickers, as, as what you would say, if you like, a lot of nice passing transitions, but nothing nothing too much up front. But, you know, it could have been a different game if Jordan Hugel takes his. I hate Jordan Hugel as well. What a shit house he is. I cannot <laughs> stand him as a footballer, but enough about him. Um Elbow in the first few minutes, thought, here we go, setting his start That's a book again. in any of the time of the game. In fact, it was in the first few minutes, kind of meant the referee overlooked it, but um, yeah, kind of the, the replays. Every game, he's, he's always always target Schindler and elbows, knees, he's just a filthy, filthy clogger. Can't stand him. But anyway, um, <laughs> salty about John Turver. You know, it goes back to that pot, pot Preston game when we, when we went to Preston in the promotion year and they beat us and he just assaulted Christopher Schindler for 90 minutes, jumping into him, elbows, knees. He was horrible. And I've just not liked him ever since. But, uh, yeah, so uh, they, I thought they started better than us. Uh, we, as usual, took a fair while to settle. Um, first goal, killer, really. I think once we got the first goal, great work from Bakuna, inside left, down the down the line, Harry Toffolo. Uh, allegedly, the referee was going to give a penalty, but played on. I, I thought that I'm was not sure a bit, about that. No, I thought that would have been a bit of a soft one. Uh Chipped it across, lovely ball. This is what we we know Harry Tuffalo can do. And there's uh, our man Elias Kachunga rolling back the years with a uh, a, a near post run and, uh, and a good header. Um, after that, only one winner. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, kind of uh, with all your kind of thoughts there, Matt. Uh, I thought it was a good first half. Kind of some nice interchanges of play at times. Um, you talk about Jordan Hugill, kind of um, not being a particularly uh, pleasant footballer, shall we say? Shit house. Um, shit house. Kind of uh, my uh, my language isn't as potty as yours. Um, but one kind of lad, I think, on the QPR team who kind of um, I did take a liking to, and I think kind of lot, quite a few town fans deep down did as well. Was Ladeze kind of um, hugged that left touchline first did half? Say, did say. He's did say the week before you called it. I give you that. Um, he said looks a play, doesn't he? And I'll be very surprised if he's at QPR next year. I'll, I'll be honest. The first time. The the first time I noticed him was the first game of the season. He's, I think he ran loan somewhere last year and didn't really stand out much. But the goal he scored away at Stoke, and it was just the way slalom through so easily, and it was like a mix between Wilfred Zaha and Paul Gascoigne. Do you know how they kind of control the ball foot to foot and they slalom foot to you know Milkington did it a little bit from time to time at Town at a lower level, 
But it was just a way slalom through just, and then just slotted it in the corner. It was so easy. And I think it was him that chipped that ball over for Hugo, who side-footed it into the, the side netting. And I think I think the problem was for us, well, it was they were, they were giving him the ball all the time. And I think second half, we cut them off at, at, at the source. I think we pressed higher, and I think Jonathan Hogg and O'Brien played a key role. And they sort of cut the sauce off to him and therefore he became more isolated. And I think he kind of lost a bit of interest. I think that might to be an something extent, he I needs think to... I, uh, I thought kind of QPR kind of consciously moved him inside a bit in the second half, actually. He I think of, he just came looking for the ball a perhaps, bit. Perhaps, but he was kind of very much in the game in that first half, hugging the mm. kind of left touch line. Clearly had Danny Simpson for pace. Um, so I was quite surprised to see whether it was a conscious decision or not kind of second half. He, he definitely drifted out of the game as, as, as did QPR in general, really. But um, I mean, kind of... Johnny Hogg won't look back on it fondly, but the moment where he puts the ball through Johnny Hogg's legs, kind of... He did uh, two of them, though, didn't he? He did, he yeah. did him and then O'Brien as well. It was um, a bit of class, and obviously Johnny Hogg kind of... Um, kind of uh, he got him back second Got him after. back, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, in, in Jonathan Hogg style with uh, a thunderous challenge, I think, and fair play, Hoggy. You know, you, you, you beat him once, you know, you're not going to do that again, are you, with, uh, with Jonathan Hogg? But uh, to be fair, first half, he looked fantastic, but second half for us, uh, someone who I thought was a little bit quiet first half was uh, Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, it, to me, it looks like he's transitioning from boys' football to men football, men's football. And sometimes, physically, he's quite tall, he's quite rangy, he's quick. But I think sometimes when he takes a knock, he's not overly happy with it. But I think he's transitioning quite well into the game. Into the game, I think he's um, first half. I thought he got a few knocks around and knocks and you know bumps and bruises. But second half, I thought he came came right into it. And when he's got the ball, he's just he uses class, doesn't he? His quality, you know, he just he's just so good at turning. It'll, it'll just turn into the right areas, the good corners, and he just straight away, first time pass, bang. You know, he's, he's just such an intelligent footballer and a kind of footballer I, I'd, I'd love to watch. You know, you give him the ball and he's he's just out of his feet straight away and then he's already got the angle. You know, he, he makes the angle with his first touch for the next ball and there's not many players you'll see at this level are that good at doing things like that. You know, I think Steve Mounier for me was my man of the match in the game. I thought Mounier was excellent, really, really good. Uh, but... When you play the ball into Steve Mounier's feet, he knocks it back five yards, and there, and then it allows people to recover a bit, and then he sort of plays it out wide, and it's a classic hold-up play. It's all right, but touch isn't his strong point, is it, Steve? Mounier, no, but you honest. play that into Emil Smith Rowe, and providing he's not got someone up his backside, you know, ready to clatter him, it's a turn, it's a diagonal turn, and he's in, he's in. Do you know what I mean? It's in Mounier. Obviously, is a different kind of player. He can't do that. But I thought Mounier. I thought they were both excellent second half, and I think the real difference to see him carry on scoring as well. Yeah, I agree. I think the real difference probably for Emil Smith Rowe is he's come from Arsenal where um, he's one of a number of very good youth players uh, into a team where suddenly there's a lot of expectation from him. Um, Town have been crying out for a, a number 10 and kind of a creative player for God knows how long now, kind of um, certainly the first six months of this season, but probably before that as well. Um, and he comes into a town team now kind of under some real pressure, which he's probably never necessarily experienced before. And with some real expectation, kind of weight on his shoulders. And I guess from what I've seen so far, um, last night included as well, um, he's definitely living up to that. And, and there's a few kind of town fans on social media, etc. already kind of speculating, will he, will he be available for a, for a full season loan next well, year? And him in a shot, you, you would do, you would do. I think kind of there's probably a lot of water to go under the bridge at Arsenal before they'll make that decision. But um, Absolutely. But certainly would. Uh, the, the lad who I sit next to, my mate Tom, you know, I've not mentioned my mate Tom on here for quite a while, but... Um, he he said after the QPR game, he reckons that Emil Smith-Rowe is better than any number 10 we had in the Premier League or in the Championship. It's a big call it's a big on call. such a, you know, it's a small handful of games, but 
it's difficult. To, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. It's, it's, it's comparing him to Casey Palmer, Palmer, Izzy Brown. Izzy Brown, Kachunga did it a bit. Tom Smith, uh, Tom Smith, Tom Ince, Tommy Smith didn't do it. Tom Ince did, uh, and Pritchard. I'm not sure I've seen enough yet to kind of to make that call. I think Pritchard's definitely lived up. Not Pritchard, sorry, not lived up to expectations. I think everyone kind of uh, is aligned around that from the people I speak to. I think kind of Casey Palmer kind of set the world alight because probably weren't no expectations of Casey Palmer initially, whereas Emil Smith actually I think there probably is a little bit given the situation and kind of. Um, Who did you prefer, that. Brown or Palmer? Palmer. I prefer Brown. Why? Hopefully that doesn't get taken in isolation that I've just said. But <laughs> I, Valentine's Day special. <laughs> I I preferred Izzy Brown because I thought he was more direct. Uh, I thought in I thought as as the higher you go, I thought Casey Palmer's got a lot of talent that could maybe transition to a higher level. You know, his his turn, his his technique, is skillful. But I, I just thought sometimes he was a little bit ahead of everybody else, or he'd try things that would never come off. Uh, whereas Izzy Brown, I thought you. I thought he was a bit more reliable in his distribution in, in what he did. I thought he'd run a bit more directly rather than what Palmer did, you know, where he would turn and then look back and, and cut around. I th- and I thought Brown was just a bit more incisive and I thought his, his goals and, and assist ratio was a bit better than, than Palmer's. But then again, at the end of the season, Palmer wasn't fit and I think Izzy was a little bit overplayed and he missed a, missed a couple of sitters, didn't he? Chef Wednesday. And, I think uh, what's quite interesting is that kind of, if you wind back the clock... Um, you ask both those players whether they see themselves in kind of two or two years' time now. Um, I very much doubt they'd have said on the bench on the bench at Bristol City and kind of playing for Luton Town. Kind of their careers haven't probably panned out the way they were expecting. Probably not the way oh, I was expecting. We're digressing slightly, aren't we? But, we are, we are yeah. digressing, yeah. But um, but I, I would have both of them back if if we couldn't have Emil Smith or one or the other. I'd be quite happy with with that. Um, Jamie Patterson, another one who's who's got back in that Bristol City team, he, he was a good number ten for us, I thought as well under under David Wagner. So we've uh, We've seen some good number 10s to, to judge Emil Smith-Rowe against. I've just seen how I reeled that back in there. So we've seen some good number 10s to judge Smith-Rowe against. And I think he's up there. I think it's a good one. But I think we've... I agree with you. I think we've got to give him a little bit more time yet because he could go... He could sink or he could, he could swim yet. So, But it's a promising start anyway from Emil Smith-Rowe. And the question was, would he take it forward into the Cardiff game, which we'll talk about in a minute. But before the Cardiff game, we had... We had some strange news, didn't we? So we've just had a really good January transfer window. And I think when people think director of football, head of football operations, I think the first thing that people think of is transfers. That's that's the immediate thing, don't you? The guy who does all the transfers. Um, there's a lot more to the role, which doesn't get shouted about a lot. So when I was lucky enough to see uh, Stuart Weber and Ross Wilson in action, there's a lot that they do, which... You probably don't that people don't realise it's it's essentially it's a middle manager if you like and you get Josh Marsh is the head of recruitment at Huddersfield he, he handles the recruitment team but uh, David Webb's his manager to an effect if you like uh, and is also head of medical you know so he'll oversee the medical department the academy structure uh, they'll oversee education you know stuff like that so uh, which I, I'm not sure what the education is like at Huddersfield at the minute but at 16 they used to have them doing sort of BTECs and what have you in the in the classroom upstairs in the uh, at canal side and, and whatnot. So they used to do like little day releases here and there and, and whatnot before in, in the past. So that they do sort of, it's a number of different areas um, that they all knit together. They look after the staff, they support the staff, they support the first team manager. Uh, they, they, they do all sorts. And, and after, but after a good tra- January transfer window, the, the thing, the last thing that you expected was, oh, David Webb's leaving at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's a real surprising news. I think kind of took myself and a lot of Huddersfield Town fans who I've spoken to by real surprise. Um, 
there was obviously kind of a, a long kind of arguably drawn out process to get the right man in place. Um, that man was David Webb. Um, kind of we kind of been without a head of football operations prior to that for quite a long time. So seemed to depart so quickly kind of does does come as a real surprise. Um, I guess we'll come on to speculate the reasons why that may be, but kind of probably thank him first of all for the work he's done kind of at Huddersfield Town in the short time he's been there and, and kind of wish him the best for the future really mm, um, I thought again, was, only I liked him yeah people speak really highly of him I think kind of Phil's comments in, in the statement suggests there's no ill feeling um, perhaps in the way there was when Weber departed there's, there's none of that um, I guess which only kind of leads you to believe um, there's perhaps a, a, a conflict of views kind of in how to set the club forward or well, his role changed, didn't his role's it? changing. Yeah, to allow Danny Cowley, you know, we saw that we we don't, ex- I think it's mostly transfers, wasn't it? Or Danny Cowley would have more of a say than the head of football operations in certain aspects. We don't know exactly what they are. Uh, but I they think did- what's, what's quite interesting is that there's um, an interview. When, when Huddersfield Town went on their kind of overseas training camp to Dubai, it was the first time that Nicky Cowley was interviewed um, as part of that. And in that, he kind of speaks about his role um, being, a, being a breadth of stuff. Um, including kind of obviously on the training pitch, etc. But he talks in that interview about kind of his involvement in transfers and how that's something he's done previously at, at Lincoln and such and how he would see himself doing that here as well. And kind of does make you think that perhaps kind of um, the, the involvement that Danny and Nicky both wanted kind of almost left David a little bit redundant, for want a better yeah, word. Speculation, isn't it? But you just kind of think, you try and put two and two together essentially, don't you? But from Mark, uh, Mark Devlin did an interview with Jamie Rayner on, Radio Leeds. I'm warming to, I like Jamie Rayner. I think he's good on Radio Leeds. Um, Agreed. Yeah, he's, um, they, they did an interview and Mark Devlin didn't give a lot away, but I think what I took from it was that it was a club decision, not a David Webb decision. There's a few people on, on social media going, oh, the club aren't ambitious enough, you know, so therefore David Webb's leaving. Doesn't seem to be the case at all. So we'll nip that one in the bud from, from what we gather from Mark Devlin. Uh, it's uh, very much a, the club decision, not a David Webb decision. Um, but, the ins and outs are not clear. I'm sure they'll come out at the end of the season or whatnot. But the, I think what's good to see is that David Webb's doing a handover to the end of the season, so it can't be too much of a bad blood there, if you it's like. There's not animosity yeah, by the sounds exactly. of it. And, and so kind of David Webb's animosity. quite active on Twitter, isn't he? And he's kind of liking yeah, certain right. posts and sharing certain things. Yeah, so it kind of suggests there's, a, a there's not a falling, falling out there. Yeah, um, so it's, it's, it's good to see David Webb's. A, a good professional approach is staying on and he's going to help the transition to our new one. Which just, is, just on David Webb, so you'd imagine then that kind of there'll be a lot of clubs who'll be interested in his services kind of come come the summer. Um, there's quite a, there'll be a number of people interested in head of football operations roles who've kind of got scouting backgrounds, they've got coaching backgrounds, but I think kind of the actual number of people done that sort of specific role previously is quite limited and with kind of David Webb's success he's had with ourselves, obviously over in Sweden, I think it was previously his background at Spurs and at Palace. I think there'll be quite a few clubs knocking on the door already. Yeah, so i uh, like you say, I think with everyone, would wish David Webb the best of best of luck. He's he's definitely made a difference to uh, from what I can see. So, you know, very best of luck. And the, the new guy coming in is a guy that uh, me and Cosy know, uh, Lee Bromby. So, you know, that's the, if we can't get him on the podcast, we'll me and Cosy will have had him there. I think on that one. So, no um, yeah. So uh, I'm lucky enough to. Have, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but you know, I, I was a goalkeeper, uh, and now a retired one. <laughs> But yeah, I was lucky enough to to play behind uh, a back four consisting of Lee Bromby once upon a time. And Lee Bromby was an exceptional centre-back at sort of youth level. And he got picked up. He got picked up quite late. He got, it was around 16, 17 uh, when he was picked up. He was playing Liversidge first team. And Sheffield Wednesday, 
I think they had some open trials and a guy who was his centre-back partner was at Sheffield Wednesday, took Lee along. Uh, and they, Where do you fit into all this? You were at Sheffield Wednesday. No, I, I was... Were you at Liversidge? No, I was... Uh, what was I at that point? I was out in Clough, but it was school where I played ah, on the okay, back four. So it was, it was at uh, Wycliffe Mount. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, I was lucky enough to to play behind. I had absolutely nothing to do. I had nothing to do at all because the, the other guy played, Neil played for Sheffield Wednesday and he took him along and Sheffield Wednesday ended up keeping Lee and releasing Neil. So that seemed to not work out great for, for my mate, Neil. Hindsight's wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he's, um, he's a top lad though. He's, he's, he's Neil. Um, but yeah, so I, I played, in the, I played behind a back four and, and there were, it was, it was a really good Wycliffe Mount team. I had nothing to do for about 15 games, literally nothing to do. Yeah. They were, they were good footballers uh, and Lee, Lee really good and moved from Chef Wednesday to, I think he ended up going to uh, Sheffield United, Watford and uh, Leeds United. So he's had a, he had a decent playing career. Uh, started his coaching with Leeds United uh, through their academy. And then they, uh, I think it was when Chilino came in. He, he may, it might have been slightly before, but they made quite a lot of changes and cuts. And I think Lee ended up moving from them to us. And he's been here since about 2014. So yeah, he's, he's done a few roles for us. I think he originally joined as under-17s coach, if that's right. Um, kind of then progressed. Under-18s, yeah. Under-18s, sorry. Yeah. Then kind of progressed to kind of, kind of, Academy manager role, if you like, he did it for an yeah, interim like, period. Yeah, lead um, development and things like that first. And but yeah, it's it's it, it, it's good in a way that shows that if you're talented, you can you can break through. Uh, and I, I like company. You know, like com- when you look for a job, you know, I'm going slightly out of out of the box here. But if me and you look for a job, you want to see you want to go somewhere where you think you're going to be able to progress and be able to um, get a better you know better job and go up, up the chain, if you like. And it's good. I think it's good that Huddersfield Town do allow people to do that. And they don't just say, right, you're coming as an under-18s coach. That's you for life. You know, and they allow people with talent to to progress. And it's going to be interesting to see how how Lee does that and how his skill set with what he's learned as a, a player, a coach, uh, an academy manager. So he's going to have the admin side as well there. So he's going to have a, a number of different skills. And maybe that fits in better with what the Cowleys, you know, they're, they're taking more of a... A, a grip on the transfers, if you like, and the recruitment side of things. Danny Cowell is very big on on being in control of things like that. So maybe Lee's Lee's sort of other side of things complements them a bit better. So you know, I'm interested to see how that unfolds, and definitely wish uh, my old schoolmate the best of luck there. Uh, and if he doesn't come on the podcast, and and Cosy knows him, Cosy uh, uh, knows him even more than me. You know, he, he knows the family quite well, and they're they're a nice family of the Brombies as well. So Cosy will be. Champing at the bit as well, trying to trying to get some info of what have you, but it'll probably fall on fall on deaf ears. But it definitely feels like a logical appointment. Obviously, there was a, a long, long period before David Webb kind of was announced, uh, and I think kind of it's in the best interest that we don't go through that complete process again. Um, and at the time of kind of David Webb's appointment, I think there was a statement from Phil Hodgkinson which said there'd been um, internal and external applicants. So I think kind of maybe maybe not. I don't know. Lee Bromley threw his name into the hat at that time was perhaps a close second to David Webb and, and kind of this kind of plan now kind of just just lends itself to 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 what we've got kind of at the club so um kind of very much agree Matt. I kind of wish Lee Bromby the, the best of luck I think he's done an exceptional job with the academy kind of seen the players starting to come through there now it's obviously been a difficult time and a very um kind of very big transition from what kind of the academy we had previously to what we've got now um I hope to some extent, he'll still kind of oversee that as part of his current role, and perhaps by will, yeah. by, by not being involved in transfers as much as what David Webb may have been, that'll free him up some time to to kind of keep the academy kind of progressing the way it is. But um, yeah, kind of interesting news coming out of the club this week. Certainly wasn't expected, but good to see kind of the succession plans in place, and um, yeah, wish both of them the best of success in the future. Do you know, there's a red light beeping on on here, um, Simon. I think 
before we get into the Cardiff game, I think what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll just check the mailbox. think the performance was, was that bad. So let's just look forward to the next game. On the way back uh, from the Terriers, taking on Cardiff City. Where do you start with that match? First 30 minutes, playing some really, really nice football. Linking up, finding all the, all the new signings coming in, really playing well. Then two goals for Cardiff. Almost kills the game off. Bang, bang. You've got the first one, knife through butter just cuts through us second one Kachunga not getting there from post poor marking going for half time weird patchy start to the second half and then we got a bit of passenger play to be fair and then after that Cardiff goes score game dies urgency goes becomes a trading session fans are leaving we've got to move on from that and on to Derby Hi, this is Claire Hill. I finally thawed out and just reflecting on last night's defeat against Cardiff. Um, I thought we started off with real good intensity. Um, There was quite good pace. I thought the overlapping of some of the players, especially on the left side, was really good. And then we let that first goal in, which was just... It was so disappointed and I think that just set in what the rest of the game is going to be like. You just got that feel. I never thought we were going to score throughout the whole game. Um, I thought Cardiff played really well in defensively. We just couldn't break their defence down. But we've seen that before. We've been here before where we've sat and we've watched town play quite good looking football at times but then we just can't create anything and then we're not creative enough to be able to find those spaces and get behind their defensive block um so credit to cardiff they came they grabbed the three points um on a positive i thought uh, Neil smith Rowe was absolutely fantastic he's going to be such a great player it's going to be really exciting to watch um and it's going to be quite lucky that we've had him at our club i think because he's going to go on to great things anyway um we have to keep our chins up really and i think go again against wayne rooney's derby county on saturday Stephen john from malaysia well, you know, the best way to sums up tonight's game is that we started off on a brighter note. We were making an attempt to score first, but eventually got undone by costly mistake. Two back-to-back goals, I think, uh, you know, made us, put us in a very difficult position to come back into this game. And I think, you know, the script was already written on the wall. Um, still a lot more to be done. So let's just look forward to the next game against Derby. That's it. Hi, this is Graham, uh, Graham Rayner from Dewsbury, uh, part-time comedian, full-time town fan. Um, watched uh, a humiliating 3-0 home defeat to Cardiff. Uh, what were my highlights? Uh, I enjoyed the pie. My pie was really nice. Um, I also enjoyed the referee rewriting the rule book, uh, just because uh, Fraser Campbell was annoying Alex Smithies. That was interesting. Uh, worrying things are um, our build-up play down the right was uh, was only the only thing slower were the contactless payments at the bar that were meant to speed things up. Um, and to be honest, between Kachunga and Danny Simpson, 
Pokemon's such a pair of old ladies that if they're playing like that on Saturday, Wayne Rooney's going to have a hell of a time. We know what he's like with old ladies. Um, our, my biggest fear at the moment is our inability to string together two good performances is only really rivaled by Nicolas Cage's film career for the last 20 years. So all in all, pretty depressing. Cheers. Hey, it's Ian Kilroy in Brisbane. Danny Cowley doesn't get that thought too often, but he did tonight. Cardiff came with the perfect game plan. Harris really did win that battle. They were solid at the back. They showed us that why when we went forward, forcing us to rely on our full-backs being the main point of attack. Then when that failed, they broke forward with pace and numbers, taking advantage of the space left behind. Even at 2-0 down, we remained one-dimensional. And we just never looked like scoring. The result was awful, but I didn't actually think the performance was, was that bad. More just a bad day at the office against a well-drilled four points off the playoff team in Cardiff. Ultimately, we started well enough, but when a team in our situation finds themselves 2-0 down, it really is game over. Clubs at the bottom of the league always lack resilience. I think we'll survive easily enough. I don't, really don't think that's a worry. But the summer is going to be massive, and it's going to be massive for Phil Hodgkinson's era at town. Hi, it's Brady from Stoke. Brady, I wait night for on Twitter. Uh, last night's game, town were just architects with their downfall. Too much space for the first goal. Asleep on Cardiff's corner routine for the second. It was a good set piece, but third goal was just comical for me. Deflection crits, Spencer Tomlin. He shoots, lots of blocks it, and Tyson has a tap in. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win, order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Oh, Cardiff, far too easily. We have plenty of possession, but we don't do anything positive with it. Ref didn't have control of the game. Uh, just frustrated us more. He was too soft for me, too indecisive for both sides. The Kona stood out, so did Smith Rowe, but, you know, Danny Cowley's called the performance powder buff, and I think that says everything you need to know. I just hope it's a blip rather than something more serious. Cheers. Bye. Hi, it's Cosy, Huddersfield Town local media whore. Summed up the season last night, one step forward, two back from QPR. Similar scenario, really, in that two quick goals. Killed us last night. He killed QPR on Saturday. I thought we started the game, you know, pretty well. Smith Rowe to the fore as ever looked really good, but disappointment for the first goal. Toffolo poor. Simpson didn't help, and then all of a sudden, Kachunga sleeping from the corner. Great set piece, they'll say, and we're two 0 down. I thought we kept going. We should, in my opinion, have had a penalty second half for the handball. Maybe we come back after that, but with 30 minutes to go, we don't get it. They score another fortuitous goal. But really, the game peters out. I didn't, don't think we have enough threat, and we know it. Uh, Smith Rowe's only a kid, Bakuna, inconsistent. We've nothing else, really. No wingers or anything. And until that changes in the summer, I'm afraid it is going to carry on to be a struggle, and Luton's result didn't help. So just hope we can stay in the division, and I think we will, but there's a lot of work to do for the new director of football, Lee Bromby. 
hang up. Uh, right, so thank you very much to uh, to the guys, that some of our, our podcast listeners. So that's Luca was the first one, uh, Claire, Claire Hill, um, Sivan John over in Malaysia. We've got Ian Kilroy Silk. I'm calling him Ian Kilroy Silk. It's not his surname, but we can have it. Uh, down in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, Brady Frost, one of our um, our writers. Keep an eye on the website because he keeps churning out some good good stuff online and Graham Rayner as well uh, there. And uh, finished off by uh, the man who can't be with us tonight because uh, he's not run, <laughs> not running scared to his uh, to his missus, but he's he's having to work unfortunately. Is, is Richard Cosmala. So uh, I thought I thought Cosy kind of nailed a lot of a lot of points really against the Cardiff game. Kind of almost made what me and me and you say redundant in many ways. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but have a job. Yeah, so um, Cardiff, I, th- I think the main frustrating thing for me about Cardiff was we started okay. Uh, we usually start rubbish, don't we, and finish strong, but it was the other way around seemingly this time where we started okay. We Little flashes, Janino uh, Bakuna, a couple of little flashes here and there, man of the match, I'm not sure. But I don't really think anybody played particularly well. But by the same token, I wouldn't say anybody had a an individual stinker either by by any means. I just think there's quite a lot there that were just a bit under par and I think it's just one of those games for me. Um I agree. I was I was, I was looking forward to last night, kind of off the back yeah, of Saturday. I thought we'd turn the corner, signs of a team building, um kind of got the early train back from King's Cross, kind of slept into Wakefield Kirgate, kind of beat all the traffic to the ground to get there in time. And um we did start quite positive with some nice interchanges of play. Um you kind of saw that kind of structure that kind of the Cowleys kind of wanted to to bring and put on the grass. Um, but kind of once that first goal went in, kind of quite quickly kind of felt it just wasn't going to be our night. Kind of just kind of sensed that that was the first opening. They had very clinical finish from them. Quite quickly then they get the second from the corner. Chunga loses his man. Um, a very, very good finish. And it's suddenly 2 nil down at half time and um, it's a very, very difficult to come back from there. You kind of knew at that point Cardiff would slow the game down in the second half as best they could. Kind of uh, very good at that, as frustrating as it is to watch. Um, and then kind of when they got the third, it kind of just... It's a lucky third one. It's it? a lucky third and then kind of everything kind of just evaporates any kind of meaning meaningfulness to the game. Yeah, just I, thought, I thought 3-0 was, was a bit harsh in, in terms of a scoreline, in terms of balance. I thought Cardiff deserved the win, um, no doubts. Uh, I thought they were very, very well disciplined, well organised. The structure was, was good. They... Um, the shape that they held, it was a you know like a four two three or more of a four four one one shape that they had. They they got back two banks, you know, sort of behind nine men, nine ten men behind the ball, and they sat deep and made it difficult. And if you sit deep and give us the ball, we tend to look a little bit clueless with it because I think at the minute it's obvious we lack natural width. Uh, so it was good to see uh, Willock come on. I thought he put one good ball in. Actually, um, interesting to see how he'll he'll do moving forward. But with Bakuna on the left, he's always going to come in field, which allowed Toffolo a little bit of space, but they, they tracked Toffolo really well so that he, he couldn't really be as effective as what he was against QPR. I just thought we were a bit one-dimensional at times and it's partly a reflection of the players we've got at the moment, but you saw kind of Lewis O'Brien drop into that pocket, kind of left-back pocket at times as we were restarting play. Chalaba does, doesn't it, for the other... A, a little bit, there. and that allowed obviously Toffolo to push kind of higher up the pitch and, and then kind of provided the outlet and kind of that overlap, if you like, to put a cross into the box from time to time. But I guess kind of conversely on the right-hand side, there was none of that kind of Simpson was offering very little going not, on. He can't do it anymore. He can't can he? get up there. And then that kind of then means that Kachunga's faced with two men in front of him. He's got no kind of one overlapping to pull one of the defenders away to create some space. And um he's not got the he's not got the speed or the skill set to, to, to do it. say it. Yeah. So I kind of 
Kachunga's hamstrung a little bit by the fact he hasn't got an overlapping right back in the same way Tommy Smith used to do. But at the same time, kind of some of the, you just need a bit more quality in that final third, really, to, to kind of pick out Steve Mounier. He's not, he's not. I think it's as simple as that. I think he did the job really well uh, under David Wagner because he had Tommy Smith playing as a winger, if you like, and it just allowed him to drift in and, and do what he does best, which is what he did against QPR, you know, try and find space in the box for, the crosses coming in and we've not really had anyone who could cross a ball all season either. So yeah. it's, it's not, it's not been, it's not a team made for him at the minute. I think, the, I think the team structure and dynamic and the way we play has probably made him look worse than he probably is at times. Uh, you know, he's worked hard, but he's, he's just, he's going to be one-on-one versus somebody and he's not a player you want one-on-one taking people on. He, he just can't, it's just not his game. You know, it's not his, he's not a winger. He's not a skillful player. He's, he's, a, he's one that kind of sneaks in and out of the box and it's that it's the classic sort of German, phrase the round data you know the the space investigator he translates space <laughs> investigator that's what he does you know um but i thought the other thing that kind of perhaps hamstrung us a little bit last night as well was kind of the midfield two of, of hogan o'brien um i think that's an ideal combination when you kind of one tune up and, and potentially maker. trying to see out a game but they're both very similar in kind of stature for one and, and perhaps like the type of play that they are as well they're, they're good at breaking up play they're good at recycling possession they're good at covering the ground but kind of I just worry that one of them is not going to find that kind of killer pass that kind of breaks, that kind of splits the centre halves oh, yeah, and kind the, of allows someone to run through. Smith one of them's not going to run beyond one. the striker. Um, like I say, I think it's fine in certain situations when you're seeing out games or you're going away from home and you're wanting to kind of arguably play for the draw. But I think in a game last night, it kind of showed in those first 20 minutes, we just needed one of them to be able to pick a pass and uh, sadly it kind of didn't well, this, this, is, this is the problem, isn't it, that we've got. If, if, if teams drop deep against us, and uh, and we have to play in front of them, um, then we've not really got that Aaron Moy, Adam Clayton, Jacob Butterfield kind of playmaker can find angles, go find angles. We've got two good players in there, but they're not they're not real sort of they're not te- they're not players who can kind of drive in an angle and then create something, create space. Our, our man to do that's Emil Smith Rowe, but because they've got their their double pivot deep, if you like, so they've got like a, as Claire said on on thing a bit of a deep block going on. If they've got that double pivot, then Emil Smith Rowe's got no space centrally to to kind of come and do that. And then obviously, there's there's not a lot ahead of him either. Munier doesn't offer much uh, movement into the channels. He offers you a good outlet, but not much movement into the channels. And they and Sean Morrison and the other centre back just kind of swallowed him up a bit. And it's quite easy for them last last night against Steve Munier. I think kind of what I would have perhaps liked to have seen. And, and I've sat on this podcast previously and kind of questioned why we brought Andy King into the club and kind of said it was a bit of a meh signing at the time but actually I was really oh, good against QPR yeah so I mean came on against QPR looked really good had a kind of a shot saved by by their keeper and um, I guess kind of he is slightly different mould to kind of O'Brien and, and hogging that midfield too and as I could be going to perhaps push on a little bit he's maybe going to kind of try and play a couple more ambitious passes and obviously had that opportunity or, or kind of chance if you like um, yesterday evening where kind of he had the shot and the, the well, QPR pretty much saved it. QPR, um, sorry, Cardiff lad saved it. Is that a penalty? Um, uh, Danny Cowley was hopping a little bit, frothing, cosy. I think it is for me. I think it is for me. I'm I'm a bit unsure. I'd like to say yes because I'm biased. I'm a Huddersfield fan. I'm, I'm obviously very biased. I, I thought he moved his arm slightly out. Not not blatantly, not intentionally. You've seen them given. But you've seen, you've yeah, seen, and even, and you've seen less of a handball given with, as well. With the with the current rule at the minute, I think if if players keep their arms down by the side and it hits their arm, it's not a penalty under the current rules. Which it just seems a bit daft if the if that ball's going to the co- you know it's going into goal into goal and it's going into the corner, and it hits his hand. 
it's I just think the balls travel quite well. a far distance relative to some that you see. I think there was one kind of mentioned in the first half actually, which the balls just kind of struck him, kind of bounced up from nowhere. So that's that's not a penalty. But that one in the second half, I thought was a really good shout. And actually, we get a penalty at that point, and potentially then we can kind of go on and maybe get something I from th- the game. I think we still lost it. Which I, I think you're probably right. <laughs> it but, was just, I just but sat it, there. It's like, quite a pinnacle moment, and I think kind of when that wasn't given, I think in in the cow shed near me there was a big big sigh and a bit of a this isn't going to be our night. Let's write this one off. Creatively, with yeah, I think I think to be fair, I think Car- you got to say Cardiff came and did did a job. They were they were bigger than us. I was, I was looking at one point, I was thinking their back four is huge. The two in front of the back four were big as well, all six footers. And you're thinking they're they're a big side and they've swallowed us up a little bit. Danny Cowley said afterwards we were bullied. I didn't think we were bullied. I just thought they were they were just stronger, more aggressive, at, you know, in certain areas. Whereas I thought our our Achilles heel really was when we did get people pushed on. Danny Simpson pushed tried push on a little bit and Toffolo pushed on we lost the ball in silly areas and that allowed them to then counter us while we had men committed forward and I think there were several times Cardiff ran through the middle and that's I suppose that's a consequence of O'Brien going into that false fullback position for for Harry Toffolo is that you can get overloaded a bit through the middle if if someone then gives it away and it comes through that sort of inside their inside sort of left and I think I think we we need to use the ball better and, and I think at times like that it does stick out that we maybe don't have that playmaker in, in midfield and they, then but I think you're right I think if they don't sit deep and it's an open game it's fine you know Hogg and O'Brien Lewis O'Brien can carry the ball really nicely into space and I think you've got to give O'Brien a bit of credit for this defensive role there's a, there's a we had a really bad moment where Danny Simpson's header goes goes nowhere and, and then Harry Toffolo kind of slices one into the far corner and Lee Tomlin's through on goal and O'Brien must make a 15 yards back. Cozzy as well pointed out on, on WhatsApp. It, it makes about 15 yards and it's a tremendous bit of defending by Lewis O'Brien and I think he was one of our better ones last night. I, I couldn't pick a man of the match. I thought Bakuna, I can see why they gave it Bakuna because he, he looked like he was going to do something. He, a few little skills, a lot of it didn't come off. Um, I, it's a bit one-dimensional when you're playing that left-wing row Bakuna and, and I'm in, not sure it's his fault. We've, we've spoke previously about how he's been kind of uh, been given a number of positions at various different times to play has to play two different positions last night for, uh, kind of been the great example but he's never going to kind of cut to the line there and stand up a ball to the back post with his left foot he's always going to come to look inside and I think the more and more he plays in that position the more and more kind of um, opposition clubs will realise that and, and simply show him the line um, he's not a player for that position in the long term for me well we said two weeks ago we still don't know what his long term position is I, I think it's probably an eight but if you if you put him in a two then he's discipline needs to improve but in a three it's probably a midfield three of an eight as an eight getting forwards probably his best but anyway we've done that um <laughs> Jonas Lussell came back I thought his distribution's been excellent uh she's been superb there was one last night wasn't there where um he almost picks out Lewis O'Brien with kind of a, a side foot kind of kick that maybe gets kind of two three foot above the ground just kind of a bit too he, strong yeah, for him, outside, but he hit one he had like two people coming up from either side and then he hit one with the outside of his right foot and he curved it round two players straight to the feet of Steve Mooney and for a minute it's like did he miss it that or was that just amazingly good and there's a couple of bits against um, QPR as well he kind of claims two corners doesn't he and he says he Harry Toffolo off the middle, one didn't he? Um, yeah. kind of Harry Toffolo then gets pulled back by Hugo was it perhaps who gets into the book um, shit I think kind of shit, <laughs> shit house um, I think the real kind of compliment you can give Lossal off the back of the QPR game was that he made it look very easy I guess he didn't have much to do but what he did do looks kind of 
tucked like a duck to water. You look like an adult playing with like a lot of under fifteens sometimes. Yeah, you know, just out, you know, and the kind of I'll just go and go and hang back, and it's just like it comes out, collect stuff, and it just made stuff look really easy. And you got a great reception as well, didn't it? Kind of both both games actually. I think kind of by and large, kind of um, the fans are really pleased to see him back. Um, recognise he's kind of a, a really good goalkeeper this level and I think kind of will certainly help her in our quest to stay in this division as we, as we couldn't go really do anything with the goals could he like, yesterday no I don't think so I don't think so a mate so. of mine thought he, he rushed out too early at Josh Murphy but Josh Murphy had all week to walk that in didn't he there was no one no one near him he, he even could slow it down you know to try and flick it over and once that happens there's no chance yes. second goal great second finish well see it, it comes through a crowd as well see the second one even third one he makes the save and it just falls luckily for the guy to tap it in it's just one of those nights, isn't it? So again, I still think he's a fantastic signing for for this for this league. Um, chances of him long term, God knows, but you know, great goalkeeper for for this level. Um, we've got Dar- Derby on the horizon on Saturday. They've picked. They seem to have picked up to me a little bit. Derby. I think they lost to Bristol City, didn't they, last night? Were it three two? I think they were three 0 down though and came back to three two. It shows they've still got a bit of something about them or, or Wayne Rooney's Derby County as they've now been rebranded as thanks to, uh, is it Red 32, the sponsor there that are paying for a, a lot of something, what it does in the, I don't know, something other going on. Uh, so yeah, so we've, we're going there. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, tickets are pretty expensive, 30, over 30 quid out there to go. Pritchard and Grant may be back in contention, which would be interesting. I think it'd be interesting to see Pritchard respond to Emil Smith-Rowe coming in and, and I did a, a we did an article for the Examiner to try and work out the best Huddersfield Town eleven after the transfer window. And one thing I toyed with was perhaps moving Smith Rowe to the right hand side to accommodate Pritchard at ten, or Pritchard wide and Smith Rowe at ten. Do, do you th- do you reckon you could put them both in the same side, or or is it kind of? I think you definitely could. Um, I think. Um Presumably, assumption there is that Grant will play from the left. Then is that right? If he's fit, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you would do. I think Emil Smith Rowe predominantly has played in ten for most of his career, Eight and when 10, he hasn't, yeah. he's come off the left hand side. But um, I think he's a talented enough boy to kind of play off the right hand side if that's what you want him to do. Um, and, and quite clearly, last night, kind of that feels like kind of one of the positions where we need a bit of, bit of new ideas and a bit bit of a change. And um, the only thing I would say is obviously we're going to go to Derby, and it'd be interesting to see how. Cowley chooses to set up, he might kind of want arguably a more solid defensive shape, kind of taking a point almost. Uh, and in that kind of scenario, I'd imagine Kachunga gets a nod again. But um, but we'll see. Yeah, but difficult game against Derby. You're right, they definitely have improved almost Chris since, since Rooney's come in. Yeah, Chris yeah. Martin's picked it up. Yeah. He's, he's Dwayne Holmes is doing quite well there. Um, I'm pleased well. with that. I've, I've always liked Dwayne. Good good guy as well. So I'm pleased Dwayne Holmes is doing well. Uh, yeah, so Derby, the good side, it'd be difficult. It'd be a, a difficult, difficult one. Um, I'm not going to do any predictions this time because I thought we'd struggle against QPR and beat Cardiff. So you don't, don't well, listen to me. I said six me. points from two. I got we got three, didn't we? But <laughs> yeah, I thought um, four. But draw against we're a long way off last night. Because like, Cosy called it right, so you know he'll be sat there, you know, flicking his visa, is going. I called that right, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but he said, and he said three points would be good. So three points overall. We're still five off of relegation. Yeah, Stoke losing winning last night didn't help at all, did it? No, but they're eight. Aren't they behind? We, we've got there's quite a few people. Sort of, I think it's healthy to look over our shoulder and make sure we don't you know, don't sort of take anything for granted. We've got two tough away games coming up. Derby and Swansea, I think, are the next two away games. It potentially, you know, they're, they're good sides. We could potentially lose both. It's the championship. We could potentially win both. But we could potentially lose both, and therefore the back, the bottom three starts to creep a bit closer. But 
we do have a lot of games uh, at home coming up. We've got Wigan at home. We've got Luton at home. We've got well, quite Wednesday quickly after away, that, we've got Charlton at home as well. Who we play? Yeah. So I think kind of Charlton, Wigan, um, like you said, those games at home. These are massive, the games that are going to matter for us. Yeah. Um, Three so wins. Uh, do you think? I think how many do we need? We've got. Cowley keeps saying 50 points and apart from Peterborough that year, I don't think anyone's been relegated with 50 points for quite a while. So, well, so well, we're on 35 at the moment. So, so 15, so five wins. Five um, wins, well, probably say three wins and a couple of draws, well, four wins maybe, a couple of draws and you're looking at your Wiggins at home. They're, they're going to be scrapping. They're, they're actually the arguably more difficult games. Usually at the end of the season, it's easier to play teams mentally on the beach who are in mid-table with nothing to play for and your Wiggins, Lutons, Charlons at home, they're, they're your difficult ones because they all of a sudden turn the form table upside down. Yeah, it's a shame we haven't got Blackburn and Hulstall to play kind of clubs like Blackburn, that, really. Blackburn have picked up as well. They're, they're sort of, I mean, it's, it's a funny yeah. old league. It's a very competitive league. I'm not sure it's necessarily the best championship. I think it's rubbish. Ever, ever been. <laughs> yeah. The standards are no, really poor, I, I which takes you back to the argument. I think at the top end, it's probably the weakest we've, we've been for a while. But at the bottom end, there are no Boltons, there are no sort of really. Uh, uh, Bounsley are not. Are not that bad. I think in any other in a couple of different seasons they could have stayed up with with what they've got, but it's it's an interesting league. It's I think in terms of not knowing what's going on, it's it's a very interesting, very good league. But in terms of quality, sort of top end, I think it's diluted a bit. I think West Brom are a good side, but the rest it's three points between second and seventh or something ridiculous. It's it's all of a sudden got really interesting there, and it's got getting more interesting at the bottom, which is not what we want, but. Uh, I think it could really flip over the next couple of weeks. Hull City, you look at, are on 40 points, and they're in revolting form, Hull City. They've probably got a couple of points too many to sort of get fully drawn in. But you never know. It's it's This is a championship. You know, you get to 50 points, you never I'd know. I'd like Hull to get sucked in. I feel like they kind of, kind of yeah. almost deserve it, the owners there. They've <laughs> kind of sold the best players from underneath Grant McCann's feet and... Yeah. Um, Kind of some of the stuff kind of they've done historically has kind of alienated the fans, etc. I feel like they deserve it. If bit it more carries punishment. on into next season, you, you put a fiver on them to go down, don't you? Now they've not got Jared Bowen and Grzycki and Marcus Madison, but you know, it depends on what happens to the He's money. He's on loan, isn't he? I think. Yeah, I don't think they could agree on it. From listening to Darren McAntony talk, I think Marcus Madison and delusions of grandeur about being able to get a lot of money, so I think they've had to take him on loan. And it, it you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he tendered himself out to the highest bidder for. For the summer, and you know, football's a short career, you know, so you can kind of say fair enough, don't you? In some, in some respects. So, I said I wasn't going to do any predictions, Simon, but here I am. Can't re- can't help yourself, Darby. Matthew. No, I, I feel like I'm going to use it against you next week. <laughs> so, what do you fancy? What do you fancy? Do you reckon we can get something at Derby? Uh, we can get something, but will we get something? Yeah, I'd be content with a point. I think kind of, uh, I'm going to call one one. Um, Steve Mounier to continue his good streak at the moment with a headed goal from a corner, something like that. But I think kind of, um, yeah, I think Daniel Cowley will almost set up to take that in truth. Um, and then kind of look to those kind of games we've got, or games we've mentioned at home in the not too distant futures, the ones we really need to win. Mm. What about yourself? Nail your colours to the mast. I think we'll lose. I don't like saying that, but I just, I just think if sure. we sit, if Fear we, sit, <laughs> no, I think if we sit deep, I think they've got players like Rooney and Holmes who can pick you off a little bit. So I don't think sitting deep's necessarily the best thing i think you have to go at them a little bit more uh and whether we've got and, and we just it's the quality out wide which is which i'm struggling with i think if we score first i think we, we get something uh, or we should as long as it's not in the first minute but i think if we score first and i think we've got enough about us to hold firm and get something but i, th- I think it's probably i think it's a case of who scores first i think if derby scores first they win the game if we score first we can get something so um but i think if derby score first it's 
this, this is where we come back next week and uh, we go one nil up and we win two one. But uh, yeah, I think if um, it's a tough one, I'd be very happy with a draw, uh, leaning slightly towards a two one to Derby maybe, but I'd be delighted with a draw and I think we can definitely get it. So fingers crossed. Yeah, so thanks again to uh, our sponsors, Magic Rock. Uh, thanks to uh, our guys for um, sending in their thoughts on the Cardiff game. If you fancy getting involved with that, just drop uh, drop our Twitter account a, a direct message. Uh, we're always looking to get people involved as and where we can, but obviously we, we, we can only have a handful at, at one time. Uh, but yeah, thanks again. Hopefully we, uh, we're back next week celebrating a, a victory from Pride Park and... Uh, or the FFP Arena, whatever they call it these days. So um, have a great week, and uh, and here's to uh, here's to everybody. Have a happy Valentine's Day. There's a team that is dear to its followers. The colours are bright blue and white. They're a team of renown. They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all the while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say who can be the town today and then the bells will ring so merrily and every ghost shall be a memory so town play up and bring that cup back to others so town play up and bring the car back to The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.